0: industrial marketing friends. From gorilla 76, the industrial marketing agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. I'm your host, Aaron Burrish. And on our last episode, we talked about industrial websites with special guests, Beth Bauer and Tim Ronick from Fullerton Tool. Now, Fullerton has a great website but they're kind of unique because they have an in-house developer who has hard-coded a lot of unique features that they have. This was necessary for Fullerton because they do lots of custom quoting and e-commerce on their site, but an in-house developer isn't the only path towards an effective website. And that's what we're going to dive into more today. So Beth, Tim, do you mind briefly reintroducing
1: yourselves? I'll go first. I am Beth Bauer, head of marketing for Fullerton Tool Company. And here at Fullerton, we manufacture cutting tools that other manufacturers utilize to make their goods for their customers and other businesses and companies. All that fun.
2: Yeah. So I'm Tim Reneke, uh, the lead developer here at Fullerton. Um, you know, as Aaron kind of introduced, yeah, we do a lot of custom programming for the website and, and basically automating uh, manufacturing, uh, online is my job.
0: Nice. So a little bit of background to start out with when we were on the live show last week, um, some folks were curious, how did you approach the conversation with leadership about hiring an in-house developer? How was that decision kind of made with the uh, the team up top?
2: Beth, do you want to take that one you? To... <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, you were here before I was here. Do you know like what those conversations look like?
2: yeah and so that's what's kind of unique about fullerton is we kind of did things a bit in reverse um you know we we started out building a website um and as you guys are kind of pointing out uh, on iml that a lot of times the website gets owned by it you know they they like to take ownership of that and that's actually how it started out with fullerton um where they needed to get things started um so uh beth actually said in that that we started very utilitarian um it was very just you're being able to check stock. You can view a little bit about the tools, things like that, but it was not very marketing focused. There was no real thought about end goal. Um, and so the the pitch for us actually initially became getting a marketing department um, in place. And so the pitch kind of started there. And then when marketing actually got rooted, um, then the conversation became, okay, how do we basically bring a full-time developer into marketing because I'm not under it anymore. I'm a direct component of marketing. So basically Beth runs the show, anything that she thinks we need to do. Um, I go out and do it.
1: Yeah. And we're also in a unique, sorry, I was going to say you're also in a unique situation too, um, that our team is growing. Like we've just hired a second full-time developer onto our team. And that's heavily based on, because our company does EOS that enter, entrepreneur operating system and looking at our five-year goals, most of that is centered around essentially like expanding our website further from both like an internal support and customer support basis. And in order to do that, like we really pushed, well, we need more than just one developer, not only to maintain what we already have, but also then so we can focus on building out some of these new systems that they want to implement.
0: Yeah, it sounds like rooting the conversation in your company's long-term goals is what really, you know, pushed it forward. Did you get any pushback uh, that you kind of had to work with in those conversations, like in developing the marketing program or just making the website more marketing focused?
2: Yeah, I think the the initial pushback, a lot of it was that, um, I mean, you didn't have digital marketing when these companies started, right? And so, um, you know, these, I mean, at these companies, these manufacturers, they've been, we're a third generation, you know, company. They've been doing it for a really long time. Um, You know, so in terms of like paper marketing, mail marketing and all that, they they had a full handle on that, but to kind of conceptualize and wrap their head around digital, um, there was a lot of pushback because they wanted to continue to do a ton of trade shows. They wanted to continue to do a bunch of, you know, paper media and, hey, you're telling me we've got to invest X, and getting us online, Um, Mm -hmm. that was- It's all that tried and true
1: stuff that they, they love that tried and true, like they love their brochures, they love their flyers, they love their trade shows. So this was completely a new, like foreign concept to them. And so it was like, it was a challenge because at the time too, it was pretty much just me. And so I'm like, we're gonna focus on developing out our digital marketing and the website. But to do that, pretty much, I'm saying we're stopping everything else, like all your flyer requests are going to wait until we're in a much better position with the website. Because as of right now, like our focus is the website. And that worked out well in the sense too, they're like, okay, like we find like when we finally get the backing of like, okay, we believe that it's at least worth a try to see how it goes. Um, But then, but we still need our, you know, marketing materials that we love. And so with that, like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we really need to hire a graphic designer who that's pretty much their sole focus is all of those printed materials, physical goods that they love to have handy when they're meeting face to face with customers.
2: Yeah. And they had gone down this path, Aaron, and this is, is something good, like um because they had somebody that had initially come in. They had attempted to develop the website and it was just a very, very bad experience. They went full e commerce um and it basically detonated and didn't end up launching. Um, so that was another resistance when I came in, I've been with the company 17 years. We kind of started the website at probably the the 14, my 14 year mark, um, or rather my, my third year mark, and they had already done this. And so there was a lot of pushback and like, I'm saying, Hey, I really think, and you know, we made you guys aware we've custom coded everything. Um, so for me to come in and say, Hey, give me enough time to kind of do this, our own Fullerton away. Um, there's a lot of apprehension because they had spent a truckload of, of money trying to do this once already. Um, and so I think that's an important part that we can talk about, um, later on in the podcast is, um, make sure you're putting some thought into this because sometimes, you know, the choice that you make can be very hard to, uh, recover from if it, if it ends up failing. Um, because of the amount of money and the time invested that you got into it. It's hard to change that perspe- that's perspective of people after they've been burnt once.
0: Yeah, that's a really good tip. I think approaching a website conversation, obviously it's such a huge investment. You need to be very thoughtful going into it. What other tips do you have for industrial marketers that are maybe advocating for a website change within their own companies?
1: I think for me, I think it's just really... Um, really pushing with, I mean, a lot of these people and like the C-suite owners, like they're typically older and they're not really understanding, you know, like they like their tried and true things like flyers and trade shows and all of that stuff. But I think it's really necessary to go digital and really develop the website so that not only is it a good um, first point of contact or first of like who you are as a company, but also as an opportunity so that customers or potential customers can find information on their products and as well as fill out forms for potential leads. So I think it's just really pushing that we might be here right now, but if we still want to be existing like 10, 20 years down the line, a website is absolutely necessary. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
2: Yeah, and I would add to that, if you're just... I guess kind of a good benchmark for yourself. Uh, and I'm almost talking, you know, back thirteen years ago because I did this. If you find that you're talking to yourself in a lot of generalities, right? You're saying, Oh, we're behind. So I need to do this. You know, oh, we're behind. I need to update the website or be we're behind uh, against competitor x, y, z. we need to do this. or um, you know, just anything like that it kind of indicates like you don't have a real vision as to why you want to execute it and that's really going to get you into trouble in the long run. Um, you know, we've we've consulted, you know, a few people on on websites and, you know, they're just like we want to update it and refresh it because it looks bad and we kind of joked around this uh, on IML a little bit where bad websites can convert. I mean, just updating for the sake of updating that generality of we just need to do it because everybody else is doing it um, is really where you're going to you're going to hurt yourself the most. Have have a goal. We want we we need a new website because we need to sell more tools or or more product to this specific customer. Start small because as Aaron said it's it's a complex, a uh, lot of variables involved in launching websites and certainly e-commerce in general. So start small uh, and just kind of work from there.
1: And I think too, what a lot of people often misconstrue is that a website can not just be beneficial for like prospects and customers, but a website can also be helpful for your internal teams as well. So maybe it's even something simple as just getting um, some product details like up on your website. And that's something where you could have all your internal like customer facing teams, like referencing that material as well, so that they're telling customers all the same things as well. So just a you know, a reminder that once it can be yeah, helpful for your inside teams as well as like prospects and customers.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Um it's it sounds like it's really about like being reactive versus being proactive, right? Like if you're in reaction mode, this is a long-term project. You don't want it to be a a knee jerk reaction to something your competitors doing or some some notion that you're behind. So, yeah. Um, want to talk a little bit more about if somebody is approaching a website project and they don't have an in-house developer, what are some of their options? And we talked about this a little bit on the show, but you'll probably need a CMS. So I wanted to talk about those a little bit and, and which one we would recommend. Obviously, um, CMS, if you're not familiar, stands for Content Management System. Um, and it's kind of what you use to manage content on your website. It's appropriately named, I guess. Um, but Tim, what makes this different from like a hard-coded website, like how you've built Fullerton?
2: Yeah, so content management systems basically kind of give you, uh, oftentimes they will give you kind of cookie cutter templates that you can get started super quick. I mean, they'll often have like a marketplace which you either will buy a certain look and feel that you want um, or sometimes there's even free that you can just go out there and start plugging information into. Um, So there's just a nice system that uh, organizes that in a very visual uh, way so if you've you know if if you've ever been into HubSpot or if you've used something like WordPress uh, or anything like that, those are content management systems, um, and yeah, just it basically makes things easier. You don't have to dig directly into the code to do it. A lot of it is drag and drop.
0: Um. So it sounds like the benefits are you can get started quickly. You don't have to have a lot of heavy development knowledge, and there's a, a decent amount of customizability there. Um, Do you have a CMS that you recommend to people if they were, you know, going that route?
1: Personally, like I'm a big fan of WordPress. I think there's just so much you can do with it and there's so many templates and it's just really easy to use in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I would say if you don't have like a customer management system, um, you know, then because we use HubSpot and it's nice because they've got both the content management side and the customer management side, kind of all in one piece, right? So, I mean, you're you're basically using one tool, and you've got kind of both uh, both platforms in there. Um, otherwise, as Beth kind of said, to get it started, WordPress is a great option. I mean, it's free, um, you know, minus the the server and stuff that you put it on. But
0: yeah, I've. I've worked with both HubSpot CMS and WordPress CMS. If we're building a website at Gorilla, it's probably gonna be in WordPress. And we like that because a lot of developers are proficient in it. And this will lead into my next question because obviously there's a lot of out of the box stuff that you could do on WordPress. There's also a lot that you can like kind of take it to the next step with the help of a developer. And a lot of developers are really um, proficient in WordPress. HubSpot has kind of its own, like, coding language. It can be harder to find um, a good good resource there. Um, but I did want to ask about that. So, like, could a marketer build a website without a developer using a CMS? I think it's With, totally
1: possible. Yeah. I assuming oh, could, like, certainly. the person, you know, like, is confident enough in their des- design skills and you know, like plugging in all the necessary content and everything, I think it's definitely possible. But I also don't think there's anything wrong like if they util- utilize an agency to help get them started because it's a massive task to build a website from, you know, nothing essentially. Yep. Yeah.
0: What, what are some of the potential problems that you could run into if you're just a marketer, you don't have any dev experience and you're trying to do this thing from scratch?
2: what problems could you run into um i, <laughs> I, I feel
1: like for me like i mean it's not like from a dev standpoint but i feel like just from a marketer standpoint the biggest issue is just getting content i feel like even when we started like getting content from the teams within your company is such a struggle because one like usually they don't understand what you're trying to do and then two they're like, eh, what does it really matter? We don't need marketing to sell our, our products. So I feel like there's a lot of resistance in helping gain everything started that you need to have like on your website. But that's just from the marketing perspective. I'll let Tim speak on the development standpoint.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think th- what you could potentially run into is not using the right tool for the job. Um Because... It- the angle that I'm coming at this from is a lot of manufacturers that we've talked to, we have these sometimes legacy ancient ERP systems or backend software that we've got that is running the entire plant. Right. And so if you make a choice that later can't integrate with your existing internal infrastructure, that ERP system, um, Depending how far down, and this is important because it depends how far down the rabbit hole you've gone in WordPress or whatever. Um, but if you've gone pretty far down this rabbit hole, and then later on determined that man, it's going to be really resistive because now the you know C suite or the executive team or my manager is now asking me to integrate that into the manufacturing processes more. Um, you may need to reinvent the entire wheel that you've built in some capacity. Um, but with that being said, though. The real benefit of WordPress in that is it is it's an easy to up uh, it's an easy to build a playground where you know a lot of that resistance maybe isn't there Um, and it's not a big deal um, relatively speaking to convert it over. But it's all stuff to to keep in mind um, when you're beginning that journey of what's you know if how far what's the end goal you know if you can look forward five or ten years do you think um, they're going to want it heavily integrated and maybe um, take that into consideration. At that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, those are the types of things that are harder to go back and undo. Um, I also think using a CMS, you risk like your website being really um loaded in a way. Like I know the trade-off with some of the, those like pre-built templates is like they take longer to load. Some of them, I guess it depends on which one you're kind of using, but some of them don't have the level of customizability that you want on them. Um, like you may think like, oh, I can put an image here, but like I should be able to put a video. Mm-hmm. Well, you go to try and put a video and maybe you can't, and then that changes yeah. how you want to build this whole page. So when you're using something out of the box like that, like you do have a lot of flexibility, but there are sometimes limitations to that prebuilt stuff. Um, and it can, um, some of it can be like, really, there's a lot of code behind it. Um, that can make your website like slower to load or like more complicated. Um, if you do have a developer come on board in the future to kind of plug into.
2: Yep, and, and maybe another point too is you know if you do have technical issues like we've had it with HubSpot, right, where it's it's actually not even anything Beth will do, but HubSpot's changed something. She'll hit save on a certain page and all of a sudden everything is detonated front to back, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got to you got to reach out to a resource and and figure it out. So, um, yeah, yeah not this is all helpful. Yeah, it's and it's not always <laughs> quick, you know. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I've heard horror stories of like marketers. It's like, oh, it was Christmas Eve and I was just going to change one plug in or something and then it just Whoa. blows everything. Mm-hmm. Up. And yeah. 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 It it, it can be. There's a uh, uh, pros and cons for sure.
2: What's your updates on Friday? That way at least you get the weekend. There's something completely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that nates, right? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so we kind of talked about with the CMS like a marketer could really come in and DIY a website with a tool like WordPress or like HubSpot CMS take a lot of work. There's a lot of content you need to get a website up and running. Um But sometimes when you are using a tool, even like WordPress, uh, it can be helpful to have a developer's guidance uh, in some capacity, at least. So if you don't already have an in-house developer, how would you determine when to bring in that help?
2: I think I I think a simple one on our end was when um, we really started uh, getting asked to automate. In internal manufacturing processes, they wanted that given to the distributor they wanted the distributor it started with us where they wanted the distributor to be able to log into a portal and be able to see very common e-commerce stuff right they wanted to be able to see orders open orders uh check inventory real-time inventory part of the problem um with a system that doesn't integrate with your existing erp is you've got to understand you're going to end up duplicating a lot of data you know, your sources of truth are going to be spread amongst both your e-commerce system and your internal manufacturing systems. Um, and so they wanted that consolidated, um, as much as possible. So as those process, uh, needs start to crop up and you start to have to talk more kind of to your internal manufacturing systems, that's, that's a real evident tell that it's probably, it's good to have a, a team of a marketer and a developer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and from my perspective, like as a marketer wondering if they should like build it themselves or outsource it to an agency, my thought would be, is it something like my first question is are you as a marketer or am I familiar enough with the ins and outs of what is needed on a website, specifically more so even like back end wise, so that I'm showing up and searching that kind of stuff. And then if so, then yeah, sure, let's try to tackle it on our own. But if it's like I have no clue really the ins and the outs of the website, like I just go to websites and I can try to like replicate and make something my own, then I would say for sure, like hire someone where this is their expertise and they will guide you along the way and give you a full list of like, this is what we need from you in order to get these pages put together so that it, it for sure will be set up accurately how it needs to be set up so that you're ranking and just having everything needed from a web perspective
2: and i think from a convincing standpoint too um kind of going back to pushback and you know how we convinced them i think having kind of a duo team where we really benefited from that is then marketing almost started creating uh products that we put online that could easily be tracked easily be justified Um, And then from there, we were able to say, hey, look, you know, like we tracked inventory. Inventory was one very, very early on where it was crazy. A lot of websites, they wouldn't allow you to uh, look at inventory in real time um, because, again, it couldn't talk back effectively to the ERP system running the plant, but ours could. It was real time. And it was so fast that our internal teams were also using it because it was faster than looking it up in the ERP system. And so we basically we we tracked how much time all that was taking and, and say we were able to save fifty or a hundred thousand dollars over the course of a year um with all the people checking that. Um it was a it was an easier justification that marketing was no longer just this, you know, burning money. Basically, we're just we're shelling out money and we don't see the returns. We started to build out products that Beth could go into those meetings and and justify and say, hey, we built this, it saves time and money here e-commerce, you know, we directly tied this in and it's saving money and generating money here. So now she had the tools to be able to go in there and say, hey, um, we need another developer or we need another marketer. We got to grow the team. And it was it was a no-brainer at that point because they could see it across all that we had built.
0: You mentioned an agency, Beth, and we've obviously talked about having an in-house developer. Um, what are some of the options for like bringing a developer in um, besides that?
1: Um, are you talking about more just like so not having someone in house, but hiring like an external developer?
0: Yeah, like like a contractor or freelancer. Um, I don't know if you have recommendations about like if those te- those types of relationships tend to pan out well or or are good options.
1: Yeah, I don't have like a ton of experience working with like outside agencies regarding a web build. Um, I was lucky enough that the previous company that I worked for also had an in-house web developer, but I know that there's very, like so many different options. Like you can work, you know, like closely with an agency where they have you on retainer, where they really get to know like the ins and outs of your business. Um, And then there's also, you know, just, you could hire someone freelance. I think there's. An option for pretty much any price point and what you want to spend. Obviously, like someone freelance is probably going to be a lot less more expensive than like an agency per se. But I think also like an agency is going to know you and understand your business more. Take the time to know your business, understand your business, who you're trying to reach more so than like a freelance designer.
2: Yeah, I think where we've had um, success with that, and I think we've even recommended this to a few people, Beth, is when you're having those conversations with those developers of those agencies initially look for people that are, are specifically talking about conversion, you know, mm-hmm. that they understand oh, yeah, that it's, it's about yeah. an end sale. Um, yeah, it's not because just about there's about traffic. Yeah. It's not just about traffic. It's not just about looks or where you stick things on the page. It is, but it isn't right. The end goal is to actually convert the sale and, uh, it can be kind of amazing. You know, how many people kind of miss that point. And so that's kind of an initial indicator to me and Beth where it's like, mm, we'll we'll probably keep looking. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Because your your website, it should function as a way for people to find information. But like really at the end of the day, it, it should be like your top salesperson that works 24 um, seven because they have, have the information, answers to questions. There's a way to reach out. Maybe there's even a way to get like quotes or pricing um, and all the information you can need. So yeah, I think if you're not thinking about how your website can convert that's um something you should be thinking about
2: yeah definitely
0: definitely um how how involved should a developer be in your project like for example i know sometimes people work with the agency to like um build the website and then the marketer kind of maintains it um how how closely should you be working with that developer if you're outsourcing it
1: I think I should be working extremely closely with the developer. I mean, I know like Tim and my situation is different since Tim is in-house, but we work extremely closely like on all the projects. Um, I come to the table often with ideas and then he tells me if it's possible or not possible. And I think that's the case too, even when outsourcing, like I think the marketer really needs to work closely with the developer to ensure the developer really has their vision and what their end goal is on the project
2: yeah um i think you know girl 76 i think was very uh, it it was kind of revolutionary in the in the sense that we had gone so many times and talked to agencies and the common thing that we were always saying getting off with just general marketing agencies was they just don't get that manufacturers okay, no. different. <laughs> and and sometimes you'd start to, like. I, at least I would start to think, I'm like, maybe we're crazy. Maybe manufacturing isn't that different and I'm just on a high horse and I think it's different, right? You know, kind of thing. And then Gurley comes along and it's like, no, we agree with you. We build a, our entire agency around catering to this stuff. Um, and so how close should you work with the developer? Um, it's kind of my hot take on why I think agency developers, you got to understand that you have to work super close because you have to tell them everything you need them to do. They're not going to, I mean, they're, they're of the mindset, you tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. Um, if you're looking for a relationship that is more collaborative, where me and Beth sit down and say, I'm gonna tell you all the the pain points and pinch points of doing this on the technical side, and then you sit down and you tell me all the pinch points of actually getting this in front of the eyeballs of the customer, and we figure out a way to make those merry. I'm not saying you can't find that in an agency. I'm just saying it's probably going to be a unicorn search um, for a long time, because typically in our experience, when you're working with agency, it's just tell me what you want me to do and I'll just stick it up there. Um, And then the worst part is uh, a lot of those agencies, those folks move on. So now you've got to re-upload all of your business knowledge to that new developer and you've lost all that. Uh, track records. So again, I hate to always say it and deter people from going that route. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's absolutely not the way to go. There's arguments for everything, but just be cautious because, um, you're going to invest a lot of time in, in keeping them on track.
0: Yeah. I think especially if it's, you know, somebody who hasn't worked, isn't familiar with your industry or your, um, or just like industrial businesses in general, Like you can't assume that they some of the things that you, you know, breathe in, breathe out every day as an industrial marketer just might not be familiar. Like they may have worked on websites where it's like instant conversions, e-commerce, B2C, um, but they may not understand how your website needs to work differently because you have a longer sales process. You have a more complex quoting process. um, And I think. Tim's absolutely right. Like if you are working with an outside developer, you need to be like extremely detailed in the uh, guidance that you're giving them Uh, because they can execute technically and they can probably, you know, consult on what's possible and what's not based on your vision. But you as the marketer have to be the one with the vision and the guidance. Um, You can't outsource the strategy behind a website, right? That's
2: right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep.
0: Yep.
1: So I'll- kind of in that same vein, oh, go well, ahead, I was, Beth. I was going to say, sorry, as well, like sort of to piggyback off of that, like oftentimes us industrial marketers are, you know, just one person teams. So there is a lot of benefit, though, in with working with like an agency like Gorilla or, or someone else, because they're going to help take the time to like understand your buying process, who your customers are, and then they can also help put together a strategy for you. And then that then can be passed on to the developer. Because sometimes as a single person marketer, you're so in the weeds, you know, like the trade shows, brochures, all that kind of stuff that you might not even have a chance to think about, like, who is our ideal customer? Like, what is the customer? What should the customer journey be? And that kind of stuff. So an agency can help guide you along and give you that strategy and then work hand in hand with the developer as well. Yeah, and that's
0: an important distinction, right? Like you could be working with an agency that is just like a web ha- a website design house, and that is their bread and butter. That's all they do. There's also agencies out there that, you know, are maybe handling an entire marketing program, and they also build websites. And an agency like that, that's more full service. They maybe have a couple different departments. They have a development section to them. Um, maybe you don't have to. Uh, Lay it out so black and white for them. They're going to understand your business um, a little bit more. Um, but if you're just working with like a website house, yeah, you do have to be, I think, incredibly detailed and like strict about uh, what you want out of your website.
2: Now, Aaron, are there are the recommendations that you all make when you're talking? Like, have you come across manufacturers that? maybe don't have a web presence at all, and they're obviously, you're starting the marketing journey with them. How do you guys approach situations like that? And kind of what are your initial recommendations for them to get started?
0: Yeah, I think in this day and age, it's 2024, it's pretty rare that a company doesn't have a website, period. But a lot of times it is like where Fullerton started out uh, like 17 years ago, where it was very utilitarian Um, I still see a lot of websites like that, that are just like, we have a website box checked and it's Mm -hmm. built on something like Wix or Squarespace or, you know, very basic templated WordPress site, something like that. Um, And I think the first things I'm looking for is like, because I know a website is a very expensive project. I'm like, if this website is functional and people can convert and there's a way for us to like post educational content there's not major navigational issues. Like the function is what I'm looking at first. And if the function's good, like I think I usually would hold off on a website project until I know more about the business and their needs. Um, But otherwise, like I think if there's not a clear conversion path, if it's hard to navigate to your product pages and get information, um, if there's not a learning center, if there's not a way to like build new landing pages on your website, all things that are just like very important for a marketing program to be effective. Those I think are major triggers to like start a website project, um, or at least, you know, make some revisions to your current website. That's another thing to point out. Like not every change to your website has to be like a massive redesign rebuild. Um, there are ways to make incremental improvements. Um, But yeah, I think like as a strategist, that's what I'm looking at out the gate. I'm less concerned with like how it looks like. Obviously, that's a tangential benefit of like, oh, we need to update our website because the navigation system is confusing and there's no way for people to convert. Um, We're also going to make it look nicer in that process. But um, if it's functional and it just doesn't look great, I let it let it go for a while.
2: Well, and I like, because another takeaway from that is, like, if you're feeling resistance in a certain area, like, if it's hard to build landing pages, then probably focus on a way to be able to build landing pages faster, right? Maybe a CMS comes in and helps you or something like that. So, but yeah, look at that foundation. And that's pretty much what you're saying you guys do, right? Is is the foundation of the website there? If it's not, then let's tackle some of those foundational elements.
0: Yeah, and if, if there is a need for a website project, we always start them off with, um, an SEO audit and sitemap. So we're looking for um, any SEO value that's already existing on the site because that could be a, a common pitfall to avoid is maybe your site doesn't look nice. Like you assume like, oh, this isn't driving any value for us, but then you completely change everything and you're like, why did my traffic like completely disappear? Well, there was probably this one product page that you thought looked ugly, but it was actually really useful. <laughs> for people yeah, exactly. people yeah, were finding yeah. it and that's how people were converting. Um, so I like we look for those things before we recommend any changes. And then based on kind of what we find from an initial audit of the website, um, then we develop a site map for like, these are the pages that we need. These are the pages we should not change because they're driving a lot of value. These are the pages we could delete because they're, you know, just extra complexity on our website that we don't yeah. need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of map out a plan before we do any sort of like development um, wireframing, even like um, it all starts with an audit like
1: that. I think that's a good point. Even like every like every year or two as a company, like you really should be doing an internal audit and. Um, Are all these pages still necessary? Or can we trim down our site some? I feel like even especially with us, like having in-house developer, um, we get asked, oh, let's add this to the website. Let's add that to the website. And it's just like, we You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But then it's like, oh my gosh, we have so many pages. Is it really necessary? Or what can we really trim?
2: If you're always adding, never removing, eventually, you know, Aaron, you were talking about bloat on WordPress sites and things slowing down and all that kind of stuff. You've got to do spring cleaning every once in a while and get yourself back to a manageable baseline. Oftentimes, manufacturing marketing teams are small. So, you know, we've got to trim where we can to keep things moving efficiently. So,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's so easy, especially when you're DIYing a website to be like, oh, I can just add this. And then before you know it, you have this behemoth of a of a website that is <laughs> yep. so hard to do any work on. So well, definitely a good, good tip there. Um, are there any things you would want to avoid when working with the developer?
1: I think like there's like, I'd say don't even start meeting with developers until you really have an idea of what your site wants to be, what your goal for the site is, and like, what you're really going to use to quantify like a successful website for like goals i feel like otherwise if you're going into these meetings without even having an idea of what you're looking for not only you're wasting their time but you're wasting your own time as well
2: yeah i uh, i don't think i have anything more to add to that one because it, it really is yeah just like that mm-hmm. so
0: I also th- think there are just some, you know, horror stories I've heard about that um are, are good to know up front, especially when you're working with an outside person. Like I- I've heard of some companies that will develop your website for you and they'll host it for you. But then when you stop working together, like you don't actually mm-hmm. own your website. Yeah. Like you want to make sure that is not the case. Um, and also if you're if you're doing that type of relationship where somebody's building for building it for you and then kind of handing you the keys so you can customize and and add new content. You you want to make sure it's flexible enough for you to add what you need in the future. Like you don't want to spend like a hundred K on this really fantastic website and then realize, oh, I can't even make a landing page when I need to for my campaigns. Um those are two things that I've seen like are easy to not think about early on because you just assume that should be the case. You assume your website Flexible and you assume you should own it. Um,
1: But yeah, those are things I would be careful about. Yeah. And I'd also say, like, take the time to look through sites that they've developed previously for other customers to make sure that their style matches your brand or what you're wanting to achieve with your website. And then also, don't be afraid to ask for um, some of their customer contacts so that you can contact them directly and get some one on one feedback to see how it was actually working with that um development agency to make sure you know like it's in line with what you're looking for in that partnership yeah
0: definitely because it's probably gonna be a long project this is a person you're gonna have to work with very closely and you want them to be easy to communicate with
1: yeah and i would also say like not only do you want that um the developer to walk you through and making sure that you can actually add things on your own But also like I would include in your contract, they are going to provide you with a digital tour so that you can like on how to add pages yourself so that at any point, you know, like six months, a year later, when you're going to go add pages on your own, that you have something to reference by watching that video, because obviously so much time in between these projects happens that you're not going to remember exactly what to do. So if you have that video tour, like it will guide you along the way so that you not like freaking out thinking you're going to screw something up.
2: And that's maybe a good roadmap of like why it can be advantageous for you to start out on this journey on your own, you know, and kind of get your feet wet with, if you've never used WordPress before, you've never used a content management system, kind of pick one and learn it a little bit. Um, And then when those things that we're talking about where it's like, oh, it kind of feels like maybe a technical uh, developer or a technical lead on certain things might be advantageous. um, Now you can advocate that, hey, I want this built. On WordPress, that way you've got some knowledge to kind of double check these things that things maybe aren't getting out of control. And if they do end up leaving or you having to start over in some capacity, you know you've at least got some general knowledge about how the system functions up front.
0: Yeah, I think if you know know enough to be dangerous, then you yeah. know like when somebody's just kind of giving you a bunch of BS trying to sell you a, a, a website that's not really that good on the backside. Um, Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to give more constructive feedback about how you actually want the website to function because you kind of Understand how those pieces fit together better Yeah, exactly Tim from the developers perspective Is there anything that's like really helpful that like Beth communicates to you? Like is it those like one-on-one meetings talking about features? Is there any like specific information that she passes on that's like especially
2: helpful? Oh, Big time. I think one of the main benefits of having a team like this is, um, basically if my hands aren't on the keyboard, then nothing's being built. Right. So, I mean, we're not adding any features to the website unless I'm actually programming. Um, so before we actually got a marketing department, I would have to go out and try to do this research of like, we're trying to build this feature or integrate this page. Um, what's the whole journey look like from, and this is where manufacturing really gets unique is, we're not even marketing to the people that are ultimately buying the tool or we're marketing to the people that ultimately will buy our product but it's sold through a middleman i mean you typically got distributors and stuff involved so that whole process so anyway the the answer to your question is the marketing team for me understands they've they've been out in the field they've been working with sales they've been talking with manufacturing um they understand the whole customer process or at least a lot more than i would And so when we initially start these projects, so much of that workload um, is done and collecting data is one of the hardest things to do because everybody's busy and, you know, they just don't have the time necessarily to give it to you. So that data gets given to the marketing team in small fragments, you know, bit by bit. And so generally by the time we start these projects, we've got a much better picture um, on how to approach them technically. Um, So, yeah, that's, it's huge.
0: Yeah, and especially if you're working with a, a third party that's not in-house, that's stuff they have no way of learning, right? So that's- Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Important. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Beth, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the pod and doing a follow-up episode from IML last week. This was really uh, interesting and just fun to record with you both. Uh, are there any kind of final thoughts on
1: websites parting advice? Um, For me- I would say don't be afraid to start small. Like I think a lot of people, there's a big holdup of they have this huge vision of what they want their website to be. But I say like start small and then you can, as you build your confidence and understanding of what's working for customers, um, you can continue to expand and grow your website. So that's what I would say. Start small.
2: Yep. I think, I think that's probably the most important takeaway is just get started. You know, I mean, these, these things are, uh, it's, it's a long journey. Um, and the only way that you get to the, well, the proverbial end, it never does end, but is to get started, you know, and start that process now. And yeah, I mean, find, at least for me, find things to get inspired by. Um, you know, like we were talking a little bit in the IML where, uh, I was ordering some shoes online and just the marketing email that came back after I bought a second and a third and a fourth pair. Um. You know, it just, I don't know, it, it, motivates you to like, it's just that little human touch that often doesn't get interjected, um, you know, very often anymore. And so it's stuff that you can get inspired by and incorporate into your own designs and, and processes and stuff. But yeah, just get started. Fail, fail a lot. Failing to do quicker mm-hmm. than anything.
0: Start small, get started, stay inspired. All really yeah. good points. Um, Awesome. Well, today we covered a lot. We talked about, you know, how to have the conversation with leadership and have the website be something that's owned by marketing, or at least marketing has a strong hand in um, some of your options for building a website without a developer. How to you could DIY it with the CMS and kind of the pros and cons of that. And we also talked about how to work with a developer if you're working with. Um, kind of a third-party freelancer agency and some of the things to know about that working relationship um beth tim if anybody is interested in connecting with all of you um what's the best way are you on linkedin
1: yeah i'd say linkedin for sure is the best way for me
2: yep linkedin or i think we're both on the uh slack channel anybody's in that one. Oh,
1: yeah it's so, true yep yeah
0: and that's a, that's a good segue. Uh, if you're not already part of the Industrial Marketing Live community, um, that is the twice monthly. It's the first and third Thursday of the month. It's a live webinar show that we do. I have a community of, in Slack, over 200 industrial marketers. We usually have like 50 to 60 people on that live show um, every Thursday. And then I know a lot of people listen on YouTube or the podcast. Um But that's uh, when we mentioned IML, that's what we were talking about. Uh, That's where Beth and Tim joined us last week. And that includes a uh, Slack channel. So if you're interested in joining that, uh, you're interested in getting registered for Industrial Marketing Live, um, just reach out to me or really anybody at Carilla um, on LinkedIn and we can get you added. We just need your email to send you that invite. But, Yeah. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again, Beth and Tim. Really great conversation and I appreciate the time. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us.